Um, as Pastor Cameron said, we are week three of our sermon series, Breaking Free. Last week, we talked about breaking free from the false self, from false identities, right? And so go online and you will hopefully be able to find that. And today we're going to be looking at breaking free from people pleasing. Breaking free from this need to please people. Uh, there's an old fable that's been passed down from generation to generation. And it tells about an old elderly man who was traveling through town with a boy and a donkey. And so as he walks through this first village, the man was leading the donkey with a rope and the boy was walking behind. And the townspeople said to the old man, he says, you're a fool, you're an idiot. You're an idiot for not riding the donkey and for leading the donkey. And so the old man decided to climb on the back of the donkey and ride into the next village. And as he was riding through the next village, the townspeople said of the old man that he was a bit cruel because here he was enjoying the free ride of the donkey and allowing this young boy to trail behind them. So the old man got off the donkey, put the young boy on the donkey, and walked alongside until they got to the next village. And when they got to the next village, the townspeople said, geez, you guys are so cruel because you have two people on the back of this donkey and how unfair and how unjust it is for this donkey to carry all this burden and all this weight. So the old man, as they were leaving that village, he was last found carrying the donkey on his shoulders with the boy trailing. If you and I live our lives unknowingly that we are living to please people, we will end up being crushed under its immense weight and we will not experience freedom. Actually, quite the opposite. People-pleasing people experience anxiety, they experience highs and lows, they experience a sense of loneliness that leads them to feeling more and more isolated. Today, our passage that we're going to be looking at comes from the great book of wisdom called the Proverbs. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs 29. This is a good one to highlight, to underline, and it is good to mark your Bibles, right? So I encourage you to do that. Proverbs 29, verse 25. Proverbs 29, verse 25. And this is what it says. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man lays a snare or a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Now, the fear of man here can be interchanged with the desire and the need to please people. So you can say, people-pleasing lays a snare. It's a trap. It's a dead end. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Now, a snare. Notice, the Hebrew writer is very careful in terms of the word 
that he uses. He doesn't call it a trap. He doesn't call it a pit. He calls it a snare. Snares are used by hunters in the forest. Snares are out of plain sight. Usually, they're either suspended if they want to catch a pig by its neck, right? Or it's laid on the ground covered with some leaves. But it's placed in well-traveled paths. It's hidden, but it's placed in well-traveled paths. And a snare is one of those things that you do not know that you step into it until you start moving. Because a snare tightens, suffocates, the more you try to escape it. The more you try to move away from it, the more you try to free yourself from it, the tighter it gets, the more it cuts off your circulation, and the more you find yourself in a bad place. People-pleasing is a snare. And if you do not master it, it will destroy your life, and you will experience more and more disappointments, anxiety, and isolation from people in this world. Four signs that you are a people pleaser. Number one, you say yes to people more than you should. Can you wash my laundry? Yes. Can you watch my dog? Yes. Can I borrow 100 bucks? Yes. Yes. You say yes more than you should. If you're a people pleaser, you most likely are married to someone who's not, if you're married. And therefore, there's a lot of tension because the person will be, why are you always saying yes? I speak from personal experience. I am a people pleaser. <laughs> Don't laugh because the opposite of people pleasing are people who are um, more into control, right? They like power. They like control. They like predictability. I'm not saying in the bad way. To every good, there is a negative side. Another sign that you are a people pleaser is you pretend to agree even when you disagree vehemently with the person, right? I don't believe that God exists. Wow, really? Wow, that's amazing. Jeez, wow, I think you and I may have something in common. You agree with people even when you vehemently disagree in your heart. Yes, yes, because you don't want to offend them. Another sign that you are a people pleaser, you avoid conflict at all costs. And part of that is agreeing with everything that another person is saying. You hate conflict. You hate conflict and you run away from conflict. And I think lastly is you get angry when you ask people to do something because you don't ask a lot and when they say no. Because, oh, why are they saying no to me? I never ask people. I'm always a yes person. And they're saying, no, oh, I am ticked off. So do any of these resonate with you? If you're a people pleaser, all four resonate and some. So why do we people please? Why do we have this innate desire to make everyone around us happy, to neglect ourselves, to neglect the needs of our family and those that really need our attention. It's deeply rooted in brokenness. 
People are people pleasers because they are fear, fearful of rejection and fearful of failure. The root is still the same. If I'm rejected, then I don't know who I am anymore. I feel worthless. If I fail at what I perceive to be good at, then I'm no one. I don't measure up. The root of failure and the root of rejection is I'm not significant. I'm not important. I'm not good enough. To want to please people is a normal human trait. It's good for my kids to want to put a smile on my face. But it becomes dysfunctional and sinful and wrong and damaging when they equate pleasing dad, pleasing mom with their self-worth. And so oftentimes, people who have difficulty in not being able to put away this need to people please, it stems from early childhood pain. Listen carefully. If you grew up in a family system where constantly mom and dad are at work and you're left alone, you're a latchkey child. And then when you have parents that come home, after you've been home at the age of 10, 6, whatnot, you think the house is going to be clean? Do you think you're going to have everything in order? Do you think all your homework is going to be done? Very few people. But most often than not, parents come home and what's the first thing that they'll say to a child that was left home all day after school and the house is completely not up to standards? I love you. You're amazing. I'm glad I brought you into this world. No, it's criticism. It's why didn't you clean up? It's do you not know any better? And see what happens in the mind. Their perceived truth is, I'm worth something as long as I don't get criticized. Because criticism means that I'm not good enough. And as long as I perform the task and I'm good, then I'm worth something. We have a whole generation that is plagued with this curse that finds its primary identity in the things that they have accomplished and the things that they have done. And if your identity and your value and your purpose and your significance is rooted in what you do and doing them well, you will find yourself in a snare. Not being able to experience a life that Christ came to bring. Self-worth is not determined by us doing good and by people saying, wow, awesome. And far too often that is the case. And so trying harder to get out of People-pleasing is not the answer because the more you try to escape a snare, the tighter it gets. Do you know how a snare loosens itself? The more you stay still. Counterproductive. And we know that to be able to truly stay still, to find rest, to not move, to not have this propensity to do stuff can only be found when one rests itself in Christ. 
some of you will identify when we invite you guys over to our house I am super stressed I turn into a different person bathroom's got to be clean floor's got to be clean <laughs> things that I don't even normally look like oh my air vents they have some dust in it they need to be clean floor needs to be disinfected food has to be perfect and I just I turn into Nazi man <laughs> It, it, not, I mean, if you want to know why my kids are upstairs a lot, they're just not happy with that. Because dad's like, look, look, are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Right? People have three minutes. Attention, right? Get everything straight. And so my anxiety goes up. It goes out of the roof. Why? I'm controlling everything because what I want is, I want for all of you guys to think, wow, Kevin is such a good person. And that can be stemmed from my upbringing and not feeling a sense of that I was someone important. It wasn't my parents' fault. They're first-generation immigrants, and they were always at the dry cleaners from 7 to 7. So Mr. Rogers raised me. Would you want to be my neighbor? I'm not kidding with you. And so I've learned very quickly that my self-worth, number one, was not found in my grades because I was not an academic, I'm not a studious child. You know, where my, you know where my sense of identity came from? My charm. Like when I want to turn it up, charm, my people-pleasing ability. Wow, Kevin's so nice. He's so attentive. And my parents are like, huh? Who are you talking about? For every single one of us, we have a default mode. When people are driven by this craving for affirmation. They will seek after it more and more and more and never be satisfied. And this anxious pursuit only increases the person's sense that I'm still not good enough. Because if these people said I'm a great person, you will always find a reason to justify why their praise isn't good enough. So you go to the next level, then you go to the next level, the next level, and you'll never be happy. See, we were created to please and to praise, but not to the degree to which all of us do. Not to the degree to which we find our identity and purpose. So, how do you break free? If trying harder to not be a people person only ensnares us more, how do we free ourselves? I want you guys to turn with me to 1 Corinthians. If you don't have your Bible, that's fine. Just, just listen up. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4. Context. A very accomplished religious elite by the name of Paul and very, very academically successful. This is what he says. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any court. Listen. He's not being unreasonable by saying that what you say of me doesn't matter. He said, it's just a small thing. 
What people say does matter. Don't let anyone say that it doesn't. It matters. But it's a small thing. In fact, I do not even judge myself. He's not self-critical. I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. It's the Lord who judges me. So let me break this down. So how do we break free from people-pleasing? It's this. You allow yourself to enter a space to encounter something that completely engulfs you. That completely blows you away by its greatness and beauty. Your perspective will immediately change and your desires will change. Let me say that again. We break free from people-pleasing when we step into an encounter that literally blows us away, that completely engulfs and surrounds us by beauty and greatness. When was the last time your heart was just completely undone? because of the presence of God in your life. What Paul is saying this, what people say is important, but what God says is even more important. How do we get to that place from it being intellectual to really making sense in our heart? And it's this, and Paul would agree. He realized how amazing, how otherworldly Jesus and his sacrifice was. It blew him away. He realized that in order for any human being to walk with God, to have a relationship with a God who has perfect standards, they themselves would need to live every moment perfectly, without any self-centeredness, and completely for God. And he realized that even in his best day, he doesn't even come close, for all have sinned and fallen short. And he realized that this God of the universe loved Paul and loved his glory so much that he stepped into this world and said, I will be the perfect sacrifice. I will be the perfect standard, which there is no flaw, there is no sin, and I will die as the perfect substitute and sacrifice, which God will be pleased. And the reason why it's a perfect sacrifice is because Jesus is God, and his sacrifice, because of who he is, God is eternal. When God in Christ dies for you, the payment, the standard that needed to be reached was finished. And every time Paul looks at that and says, geez, why did God suffer like he really suffered like why did he do that for me am i really that important yes you really are that important but why but why would he do that 
because he's so great that he wants to show up and he wants to change your heart. How do you break free from people-pleasing? The reality of Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection needs to engulf you. If you do not have an encounter with the risen Christ, if it's merely intellectual, you will not be free. You will not be. You cannot be free. It must be experienced through the truth of the gospel message and through Christ. And when that happens, what people have to say will not be as important as they once were. You can say no. Because now you begin to see how you saying no may actually be in the benefit of the other person, in the benefit of your family, in the benefit for you and for God's glory. So, what do you right now need to give up that's important so that you can have more space to encounter the risen God? What do you need to give up right now that is important? Because it requires a sacrifice, it's costly, so that you can enter into a more dynamic, vibrant relationship with Jesus. What do you need to give up right now that's very important? Maybe it's certain relationships. Maybe it's certain hobbies that you have. Maybe it's certain goals that you might have. What are they? We're about to take communion, and communion is a practical way for us to say, Lord, I leave it at the cross, and I say, you are better than the things that I hold on to. Let's pray together. Father, if our constant need for men's praise destroys us, then the praise of Jesus and the praise for Jesus will set us free. So Father, praise is an automatic response when we step into something great. There's no one greater than you. And so Lord, thank you for working on our hearts. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for applying your truth in our hearts. And God, we want to live for one person, for Jesus. And we know that by living for you, we can live for other people in a way that really is selfless and other-centered. So Father, continue to work in their hearts, continue to bless, continue to convict. And as we come to your table, we remember, Father, that you, through your body and through your death and sacrifice, gave it all up so that we could have it all. In your son Jesus, whose name we pray, amen.